We thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching from Metro Church. We hope this inspiring message will empower and enrich your life. Amen, amen. So I wanted to continue this Summerfest theme and actually preach a message I preached at Summerfest, revised a little bit because I think the whole church needs to hear this. So how many are ready to get into kingdom culture? Kingdom culture. Romans 12, 2 tells us, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. When the apostle Paul was writing this, of course, we know he was the instrument. He was the pen, but actually it was God that was writing this, right? So what do we understand by this? We understand that if we do not renew our minds, we will be conformed to our worlds, What does that mean? It means the culture, the pressure, the current is so strong it will sweep you away into the things of this world if you do not renew your minds. And so as I kind of broke this stuff down with the young people this past week, I thought, you know what? We can all learn from this. I want to talk to you about somebody who understood kingdom culture before the apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Romans. I want to go all the way back to a man named Noah. Some of you know Noah. Some of us babies, we grew up in a little nursery that had a big old ark with a bunch of animals hanging out there. We've heard the story. But do you understand what Noah had to go through to fulfill the call of God on his life? See, kingdom culture is about digging deep and sticking with God's word. When God tells us to do something, it's about putting that word above all other things. It's about having a root system that goes below and beneath and further down than where culture says. It's having a root system that grows so far down that you can stand when no one else does. Are you getting this? Let's read Genesis 6. It says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, And he walked faithfully with God. We also know that living in the New Testament, Jesus is who makes us righteous. What he did for us. By us accepting Jesus, that's what righteousness is to us. That's where we find salvation. In the Old Testament, faith is what accredited people righteousness through God's lens. The same way that Abraham was credited righteousness by believing, right? So this is what we see in Noah. He's credited as being a faithful man, which brought brought. God seeing him as righteous. And so Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on the earth corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. And then God, how many are thankful that when God tells us to do something, he does give us some parameters. He does give us some understanding. Say some. Not all. Yes, some. He goes on to say this. He says, make it 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door. How many doors? A door. Put a door. 
in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. Now, some people go, wow, that's tough. I thought God is love. God is love, but he's also just as much just. He's also just as much holy. He's also just as much righteous. And I'm thankful we live in an era and an age of grace because if we didn't, we'd be getting more of this. Are you understanding? Somebody better love Jesus more today once they read this story. Three people love Jesus more today. That's fine. The rest of you, I'm going to work on you. Okay? Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant. Say covenants. What does that mean? My new agreement, my new promise. I will establish my promise with you and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Can I just say something right now? I just got to pause for a minute and I've got to step somewhere that is politically incorrect but is scripturally sound. And I need you to understand, this isn't a politically charged comment. This is a scripturally charged comment. What do I mean by that? I will not push and try and beat people up with the word of God. But when they encroach upon the word of God, I've got to sweep their feet back and remember that God has boundaries. It was pretty important in that day and age for God to actually talk about gender. Because if there weren't two genders that could repopulate, there would be no worlds. It was very important for him to make sure that the husbands and wives got on the boat together and that two of every creature of each gender got on the boat together. This is not a politically charged comment. This is a scripturally accurate comment. I love all people, but I love them enough to tell them God's word truthfully. Okay? And so it goes on, it says this, but I will establish my covenant with you, right? So two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and uh, every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and stored away as food for you and for the animals. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Another scripture reference says, he did it at God's word. Okay? At your word. We've, we've grown familiar with this if we dig through the scripture because there are moments where people don't understand why, but they notice that when God spoke, they're going to do it regardless of what they think towards it. Okay? Some of you will remember in Luke 5 that actually Jesus, he knows that all the disciples, they've come from, from fishing, they've caught nothing all night, but he's about to send them back out. And they're exhausted. Let's pick up in Luke 5 to talk about this at your word. When he said, stop speaking, he said to Simon, launch out. Simon's also Peter that we come to know. Um, You know, not Prince formerly known as, but Simon formerly known. Peter formerly known as Simon is what it actually is this time. Launch out in the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. What is he doing? He's pleading with his exhaustion. Nevertheless... At your word, I will 
let down the net. And what happens? We end up seeing that they go and catch so many fish, they can't bring it up on their own. They got to signal other boats to come and help. See, here's the thing. God may tell you to do something that seems exhausting. He may tell you to do something that you feel like you've already done before. He may tell you to do something that doesn't make any sense to you. But at your word, there's a principle that kingdom culture, when we understand that God is the king and that we are to do what we can to please the king, when the king has a thought and he speaks in our world, at your word. At your word. I know that I'm going to feel resistance, but at your word. Are you getting this? So Noah, he had this healthy understanding of kingdom culture before the Apostle Paul ever wrote this Renewing the Mind. But one of the reasons we know this is because he stuck to God's word. Can I tell you, when you don't understand what's going on, when you don't understand why things are happening, when you don't understand up from down, when you can't see clear through the fog of life, can I just say, just stick with the word of God? Can I say, just hold on to what you do know? That's what kingdom culture is. So let me quickly break down this in a short time compared to what I took at youth camp. Number one, Noah had a mission from God. He had a mission from God. He understood what was going on in the world. He understood that God was, was done with, with <laughs> the world as we knew it. It's the end of the world as we know it. Noah did not feel fine. But what I will tell you is this. For those that love biblical numerology and understanding the numbers in scripture, Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Oh, you're getting a little extra. The first service didn't have that because I have a little extra time. So they had Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel. Cain was cursed. Then God gave a new line in Seth. Anyone following me on this? Seth had seven generations. Seven is the number of completion. The eighth generation to come was Noah, and eight is the number of new beginning. Is that interesting, or is that God? thought I'd throw that out to you. What does that mean? That meant God was ready to start over. There's new beginnings, and Noah was the man, okay? So for anyone that was really looking for a little extra meat, you can go study that now, okay? Okay? But Noah had a mission from God, and we do too. Our mission is still, God has given us a word. Today, you have a word from God, and it's a part of your mission. Maybe today, you know, deep down in your stomach, you're supposed to leave this place and go forgive that person. Maybe deep down, you know that you're supposed to lay hands on that person and pray for them. Maybe deep down inside, you know you're supposed to have said something to your neighbor about God's love. There's a mission that we all have, and it always comes back to kingdom. God has a kingdom, and it is advancing. And he's wanting you to be a part of what's happening. We all have a mission from God. And when we have a word from God, regardless of what the world says, how the world responds, we must fulfill God's call. Did you get that? Number two, for Noah, the world was in the balance. Can I tell you? It's still in the balance for us. The world is in the balance for us. You may have heard the story of Noah, but you've never put yourself in the story. You need to understand that the balance is still the same. People are still needing to know about Jesus. When we get to heaven, the only thing we can take with us are those that we brought to Jesus. And so the world is still in the balance for us. You should be living on mission. I remember uh, where I went to Bible college in, in Virginia Beach, and I remember as you left the parking lots, the back of the sign of the church, it said, turn on your lights, you're headed into the mission fields. 
Do we see our neighborhood as a mission field? Do we see our, our, our neighbors, our family, our friends, do we see them as people God wants us to encourage in the right things, not just by word, but how we live, by deed? Our young people are about to go back into the school system. I'm so thankful Summerfest gets them charged up and ready to take on the resistance that's about to come. And can I tell you, the resistance is coming just as much from what the teachers are teaching as it is from what the students are saying. I love teachers. Don't hear me wrong, teacher. If you're mad, you just know some teachers in there are going a little off what their curriculum is supposed to be. I'm not expecting the world to preach Jesus in the school. school. Do you understand that? I'm not expecting teachers to preach Bible in school but I'm also not expecting them to tear apart the Bible in school. Is that fair? How about we leave the, uh, the, the faith and religion and God to the parents to rear their children in, not for the education system to tear it down? Believe me, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm praying for teachers. They need a lot of help. This is a tough time for them, and I pray that you would pray for them as well. They're in a, a pressure cooker right now. But as these young people go back to school, I'm telling them, look at you're going to have to understand that the world is in the balance. This may be the only time. I, I think oftentimes of friends that I used to know and, 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 and jobs that I used to have, and I think of the relationships that I had built, and I think back now and go, I wish I was bold enough to say what I would say now. And now my prayer is that God would bring someone else in their path that's bold enough to do what I couldn't, but I'm willing to be bold enough now for whoever comes in my path that that person's praying for. Are you getting this? We're all part of a mission and the world is in the balance. Number three, Noah didn't have all the answers. Anybody feel a little bit like Noah right now? Noah don't Noah. Oh, I got a bunch of those. I'm just holding them back, okay? But the reality is... When it comes to kingdom culture, you have to move on what you do know, not what you don't know. What Noah knew, knew is that God said, hey, there's going to be an end here, and I'm starting my new covenant and promise, promise through you. Here's what you're to do. Go do it. I don't know if Noah had carpentry background. I don't know if he had his GC license to pull permits. I don't know. But what I know is that Noah didn't know everything either, but he had to be about what God's word was. And so Noah begins working. He begins, you know, I don't know. He's probably not buying pitch. I don't know what he's doing. I don't understand how it all worked, but he didn't know it all either. But he got busy with what he did know. God said to build a boat. I know it's going to look silly. I live in the desert, but I'm supposed to build a boat. You're going to be mocked for your life choices too. You're not going to have all the answers and eventually there's going to be pressure that comes and affects you too. Number four, Noah was mocked for following God's word. If you have zero resistance, you're probably doing zero for God. No one likes resistance. No one likes friction. No one likes feeling the pushback of the world. But we were called to be change agents in the world. Ambassadors for Christ. Foreigners not of this world. And Jesus said, hey, if they hated me and I'm your master, don't expect them to love you. What was he doing? 
He wasn't saying don't love people, but don't expect them all to receive you because what you are bringing, whenever truth is presented, somebody has to realize that they're living in lie. That doesn't always be welcomed warmly. So Jesus was prefacing, he was getting us set up for understanding, look, you're going to be mocked for following my word. Can you imagine Noah being mocked? Noah's out here building not just a boat. It was like a hotel. It's a boatel. He's building a boatel and people are like, hey, yo, yo, you see Noah over there? Hey, Noah, Noah, Noah. What you doing, idiot, idiot, idiot? <laughs> Have you seen any clouds, clouds, clouds? What an idiot. Noah's getting mocked for doing the very thing God called him to do. And we expect any less? When you have a word from God and you know you're to act on it, you better utilize the spine God gave you to stand up and be able to move forward in it because resistance will come. We will experience mocking. These students, you're going to experience it when you go back and decide, I'm not going to do what everyone else does because I understand I now live for an audience of one. You know what I told them this week and I'm going to tell it to you because it's just as important to you? When you do something and there's crickets, you hear nothing. People are just astonished in their silence that you've done something that they just don't get. Just understand the banisters of heaven are roaring with clap, clapping and excitement that you stood for the very thing God called you to stand for. When you, when you feel that resistance, understand heaven is rejoicing with you that you would be a change agent on this earth. So Noah was mocked. He was called crazy. Number five, Noah had to renew his mind by focusing daily on God's word. There's no way that you're going to deal with the, the temperature and the pressure and the mocking and the criticism. And you're not going to deal with that and be able to fulfill God's call in your life unless you're renewing your mind. Unless every day you get up and say, you know what, God? I still believe you're God. I still know I don't understand everything, but I still hold on to your word. And so I'll do it again. Give me the strength to stand for you when no one else does. Give me the words to speak when they expect me to explain myself and I don't know yet how to say it. Expect the Holy Spirit to turn up and be surprised that he actually does. You say, well, you shouldn't be surprised. No, you should. Because when it's coming through you, you're surprised. <laughs> Whoa! Okay, I'll keep moving. So what is kingdom culture again? We're talking about Noah understanding culture. Noah understood that when it comes to kingdom culture, it's about learning the king's desires. It's about choosing to live a life that pleases the king. And it's about willing to go fight for the kingdom if necessary. I'm almost out of time and I've got a few more things to tell you. Ready to hear some kingdom culture killers? Some things that will kill your culture, some things that will kill the kingdom culture that is being stirred and built up in you, things that would have killed Noah's culture that was being built up in him. A, listening to critics. You've got to figure out how in your own way to be able to turn the volume down of the world so that you can turn the volume up of the Holy Spirits. Because they're never going to stop talking they're never going to stop criticizing. They're never going to stop pushing against the word that you have from God. But how much ear and credence you give to them is your decision because you're the gatekeeper. Remember, sticks and stones will break my bones, 
but names will never hurt me. I know names hurt us, but we're going to have to get a little bit of Teflon on us to make sure that we don't allow it to stick to us, to make sure that we're a little bit stronger. And how does that happen? If I continually tell myself what God's word says about me over and over again, and I continue to renew my mind on what God thinks of me, not what the world thinks of me, the more they say something that's not what God thinks, I realize it's a lie from the pit of hell, and that doesn't need to stick with me. It's okay. And when, when, when I start to feel the resistance, I realize I must be gaining some territory. I must be doing something right because somebody doesn't like it. And that somebody is definitely the devil and I'm okay with him not liking me. Yes? Stop listening to critics. It'll kill your culture. B, stop looking for clouds. If Noah spent all this day, all of his day, rather than hitting in nails and rather than dealing with pitch and rather than laying lumber, if he spent all the day looking to confirm, God, are you still in this? Will you show me a cloud somewhere? God, I need a sign. I need another sign. I need another sign. The reality is the first sign came through the word that you're already working on. And so how about we continue to be about God's business regardless of always looking for another sign? Jesus said this, this generation always looks for signs and they won't receive any. He wasn't saying that God won't give us a sign. He's saying when all we're looking for is a sign, we forget to actually activate faith and continue to move in the thing that God's already called us to. When I begin doing things, yes, when I begin doing things for God, I begin to see things that I didn't see before. It'll show up in front of you, but don't be busy looking for clouds trying to justify why you do what you do. Let God's word be enough. See, waiting for all the answers. If you continue to sit and wait on the Lord, can I tell somebody, somebody needs to hear this. You've used waiting on the Lord as your excuse never to move. You've said, I'm gonna sit and wait on the Lord, but God's already given you a word that said go. And actually what you need to understand is that go, it means you need to go without all the answers. Because then, and only then, will you rely on God to help see you through it. Are you getting this? Can you imagine if Noah was like, well, God, until I understand how you're going to bring all these animals and get them in this ark, I ain't doing it. God, until I understand how that lion ain't going to eat that lamb, I ain't doing it. God, until you help me understand how I'm not going to kill my family for being stuck on a boat without any other civilization. Real talk. Our families can help us grow stronger because it's a healthy friction sometimes. I know that uh, my, my life definitely had my mother praying. But I also think sometimes our family keeps us in the prayer life. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on those that might have walked away. Continue to have hope and continue to pray. But if, if Noah had just been waiting for all the answers, he wouldn't have accomplished God's word. And lastly, D, goes right with C, focusing on what you don't know. If you want to kill the culture, focus on all the things you don't know rather than doing what you do know. Noah's life has so much more to do with our call than we even are aware. We can gain and glean from every book of the Bible. But what I do know is there's a representation of that ark that we're all really needing to grasp. In the same way that that ark was created to save mankind from the wrath of God and all those that got on that boat, they were saved. 
God still wants to save mankind. And there's still only one door on the boat that saves us, and that boat's door is named Jesus. The Bible says none of us get to the Father except through the Son. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. None go to the Father. None can access the Father except through me. So when we see that ark, we see this childlike story taking shape that we all have fond memories of. Maybe if you went through Sunday school class, but the reality is it's a picture of God still wanting to save those that will obey him. And salvation only comes through one door, and that's Jesus Christ. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching from Metro Church.